Welcome to the Turkey Hunter Podcast with me, your host, Andy Galliano. In this podcast, I share with turkey hunters just like you how to have more turkeys on your hunting property and how to have more successful turkey hunts. I teach you how to do this with tips and interviews with turkey hunting pros, wildlife management tips, and entertaining turkey hunting stories. Tune in weekly as I share proven and simple strategies to help you have more success this turkey season. Make sure to head over to www.iamturkeyhunting.com to subscribe to receive free turkey hunting tips, tactics, strategies, and product reviews. Also, please visit and like my Facebook fan page. Go to Facebook and search I Am Turkey Hunting. And also feel free to post your turkey hunting photos from this past season and let us know where and when you killed your bird. For all of you Twitter users out there, please follow me on Twitter where my handle is at turkeyhitman and I will be sure to follow you back. And now, for this week's show. Hello and welcome back to this week's episode of the Turkey Hunter Podcast. You are listening to episode number 238, Turkey Hunting Trip planning time and I am your host and the guy who is coming to you from location today yes I'm on my big out-of-state turkey hunting trip my annual trip with my buddies from college and I'm gonna be quick today because of that reason but I have some awesome stories and audio coming up for you guys starting next week I'm not exactly sure how I'm going to handle distributing all that to you guys yet, but I'll figure that out soon enough. However, in the meantime, we are 303 days, 15 hours, 42 minutes, and 49 seconds away from opening day of spring turkey season in Alabama. So this week I have a replay for you guys of an episode that I think is timely for you to hear. As my spring turkey hunting season is winding to a close, I'm starting to plan where I'm going next year. As of this second, I have 17 states left to complete my U.S. Super Slam. And yeah, I'm pretty pumped up about that. I hope they're less than that when I talk to you next week. But right now, there's 17 left. And I have two states that are within an easy five to seven hour drive from home. Both are most likely going to be on my hit list for spring 2020. And you know, I, like most of you guys listening to the show, have limited funds available to spend on this mission that I'm trying to complete. So outside of my big annual out-of-state trip with my college buddies, I'm always looking for a way to make my side or bonus hunting trips much more affordable. That is what this week's replay is all about. So listen in closely for some money-saving tips on traveling out of state for turkey hunting, and I'll see you on the other side. So last week, I dipped into the show topic suggestions archive, and I pieced together a show with a couple of topics from Joe Casalco. This week, while dipping into the archives again, I found a topic that is a really good one, and I'm not sure why I haven't covered it yet. This week's topic was sent in by Matt Wood, and I really can't remember where Matt's from, but he sent me this topic along with about, I don't know, five to seven other topic suggestions and names of people he would like for me to interview. But this week's topic jumped out at me, and I think mainly because I focused on it a great deal last year as I was trying to squeeze in as many states as I could and still afford to eat. 
Last year, I went to Mississippi three times and spent maybe 250 to $260 with fuel and groceries, which, by the way, I really hate counting fuel and groceries in the cost of a trip because I would have had those expenses anyway. If I wasn't going to Mississippi, I would have been going to my hunting camp and I would have driven about the same distance on two of my trips to Mississippi as I do to go to my hunting camp in southwest Alabama. And I would have been taking groceries with me to the hunting camp of southwest Alabama. So really and truly, that out-of-state hunting trip cost me about $140 to $150 above and beyond my usual weekend trip in state. I could have reduced my license cost by not buying a $300 non-resident season license. Yes, $300 non-resident season license. And we're going to talk about that in a minute. And I could have opted for a three or five or seven day non-resident license. I can't remember what Mississippi offers. It could be three days to seven days as another option to buying a season long license. But I knew I was hunting in Mississippi and I knew I was hunting public land in Mississippi and that I needed to be realistic about my odds of success and having to go back to Mississippi again. I also could have hunted Mississippi more often than I did to help reduce the average cost of my license per trip, but I had a pretty full calendar with hunting eight states, having to run a mortgage business, and trying to keep my wife from leaving me for any man who is not a turkey hunting addict. I did this budget-friendly type of hunt, not only in Mississippi, but in North Carolina, in Wisconsin, and in Minnesota as well. I did not do this kind of trip in Georgia because I had my bride with me, and she's just not much into camping or the cold or rain. So we rented a cabin from VRBO.com and stayed in that cabin over the week, and it was a very nice trip. I also did not do a budget hunt in Washington, Idaho, or Oregon because that is my annual big trip with my buddies. And I'm going to talk about this a little bit more here in a minute. I just try hard not to rock the boat much on that hunt. So thanks to Matt Wood, today I'm going to discuss budget-friendly out-of-state hunts. Admittedly, I do not keep records of every dollar that I spend on these trips that I go on, as well as some of you guys probably do, but I can tell you that I am cheap. I'm so cheap that I often catch myself spending about an hour online trying to find my melatonin supplements a dollar cheaper than the lowest price that comes up on any 1.5 second long Google search. Now, I have a pretty solid idea of how much a turkey hunting trip is going to cost me on the front end so that I don't need or really have to keep track of it on the back end. So let's get into the nitty gritty of the topic now. First things first, a great way to cut down cost on any hunting trip is to split the food, fuel, and lodging portion of that with a hunting partner. But I'm going to tell you it doesn't always work out like that. So you should probably say a budget conscious hunting partner. And trust me on this, there is a big difference. My hunting buddies that I'm working on the Super Slam with are not, capital N, 
capital O, capital T, not going to camp in a tent at night and hunt during the day. But Cameron will and does, and that saves me and Cameron a lot of money on a hunting trip. So know your hunting partners and whether or not he or she wants a budget-friendly trip at $250 per person or a budget-friendly trip at $750 to $1,000 per person. We have to remember that everything is relative. What we think is budget is not necessarily what the next guy thinks is a budget hunt. That is why I said earlier that I try hard not to rock the boat on my super slam hunts with my college buddies. They would prefer to eat out at lunch and dinner every night. I'd prefer not to. I don't do it at home. Why would I do it out on a trip? I did tell you earlier that I'm cheap. So we need to know and pick the right partners who are on the same page with us about a budget hunt. I really don't mind spending a little extra on my big out-of-state trip with my college buddies once a year because it is only a once-per-year trip, and hunting with an outfitter or two on that trip is fine with me. As I've mentioned before, our time as a group away from family and work is limited, and to find and kill four turkeys on public land in at least two states in about seven days is a tall order to fill. So, for us, having an outfitter point us in the right direction on a few turkeys is a huge time saver for our group. My annual Super Slam trip is not a budget trip. And now having a hunting partner is not necessary for a budget hunt, but it can help to cut costs and add some additional enjoyment to the trip as well. Okay, we first need to talk about the actual hunting part of a budget hunt, don't we? So let's talk about guided hunts for a second. When I'm talking about a budget hunt, I am not talking about paying an outfitter $500 to $2,000, depending on which subspecies of turkey we want to kill. I'm not considering that to be a budget hunt. So I'm ruling out guided hunts from this discussion right off the bat. Let's talk about semi-guided hunts. And a semi-guided hunt, for those of you who don't know, is when you hunt with an outfitter on land that the outfitter either owns or has leased for exclusive hunting rights. And the outfitter takes you to an area and most of the time drops you off and then comes back and picks you up later on in the morning or if you want to stay out all day at dark. Most semi-guided hunts are going to start around $500 and run you $500 to $1,000. We're getting closer to being budget with a semi-guided hunt, but I'm ruling it out also. Some outfitters offer what they call unguided hunts. An unguided hunt, my college buddies and I have done these types of hunts several times in the past, but an unguided hunt is... Basically, you showing up at the outfitter's operation, the outfitter gives you a map, says, in the past we have seen turkeys here, 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 and here, and good luck. And that's pretty much all the help you get, but you're still hunting private land. Now, you're going to still pay probably around 500 bucks for an unguided hunt to hunt public land and kind of be pointed in the direction of where turkeys have been. Unguided is 
getting even closer to being a budget type hunt. And I'm going to say an unguided hunt is going to be really borderline budget. Remember, I'm going to say this now for the third time. I'm cheap. I want to go cheaper than 500 bucks, but I also want to know that I've got a good shot at being successful. So let's talk about some cheaper options that might have close to the same success level as even an unguided hunt might have. Many landowners, especially in the Midwest and even headed further west, will let you pay them a trespass fee to hunt their properties. That trespass fee may be $50 a day. It may be $100 for three days. It's something you just don't know unless you go knock on a front door and ask someone. Many farmers and many ranchers are more than happy to have someone come and hunt their properties, but they've got rules and they want a small trespass fee in order to grant that permission. Now we're talking a budget hunt. Now we're getting into the price range of a hunt that makes me smile. And now I'm going to talk about another option that we have, which is extremely affordable, and that is hunting private land with permission from the landowner. And you guys know how that works. We knock on doors to see if we can get permission to hunt their property, even without paying a trespass fee. Sometimes we have to use some connections for this. I had probably four of you guys offer to help me in Wisconsin get turkeys on public land and on private land. And with the help of Justin Dock, I was able to line up some private land in Wisconsin to hunt without paying a trespass fee. These opportunities are out there. We just have to use the resources that are available for us to find them. One of those resources for us is Facebook. Yes, we can actually get permission from landowners, ranchers, and farmers to hunt their land for little or no cost using Facebook. And that may be a good topic for another episode a little bit later. But those are two very good options for budget-friendly hunts. I mean, you're talking about paying 100 bucks to hunt private land for three days or hunting private land for free, and that's really hard to beat. The last type of budget-friendly hunting we can do is hunting public land. And most states charge a small license fee or permit fee to hunt public land. In Alabama, I think it's $18 a year, something like that, to be able to hunt thousands of acres of public land. And we all know about hunting public land. It's very inexpensive, but we've got to put the time and the effort into finding turkeys. And we have to work to kill these turkeys because most of these turkeys on public land are more pressured than turkeys on private land. Now, I've hunted many pieces of private land that have had a lot of pressure on them with a lot of tough birds on them. But public land is in a different category all on its own. Obviously, hunting public land, hunting private land with permission, and hunting private land by paying a trespass fee are the three best hunting options for budget-friendly hunts. 
So now let's break this budget trip down into expense categories. And let's have our expense categories be travel, lodging, licenses, and food. And let's talk about licenses first because we don't have much control over this expense, but we do to a small extent. And I'm going to explain why. You remember my $300 out-of-state non-resident turkey hunting license in Mississippi? Did you know that many states charge higher license fees for residents of neighboring states than they do for residents of other non-neighboring states? For example, the trip that Cameron and I took to North Carolina this year, North Carolina does not border Alabama, but it does border Tennessee. Cameron is a resident of Tennessee. Cameron paid about 50% more for his North Carolina non-resident license than I did being a resident of the state of Alabama. So if we're chasing a super slam, then license cost makes really no difference at all. We have to pay the price to mark that state off of our lists. If we are not chasing a super slam, but maybe a grand slam or just extending our season, then we can maybe plan around a $300 license neighboring state and drive an equal distance to a state that has a $100 non-resident license cost. It may sound crazy, but it doesn't if we're on a budget. Like I said, we don't have control over the cost of the licenses, but we do have control over which licenses we buy. Now, let's talk about travel. Travel is one of those things that can greatly affect our hunt budget. Travel for an out-of-state budget hunt can be a five-hour truck ride for $100 in gas or a five-hour plane ride for a $600 plane ticket. Don't forget that the five-hour plane ticket just gets you there. You've also got to have transportation when you get there. Unless a buddy or outfitter is picking you up from the airport, then Getting you to the airport is just part of your travel expenses. You're going to need to rent a car once you arrive. And if you're hunting out of that vehicle, then you'll likely need a four-wheel drive vehicle, which makes that expense even greater. So how can we reduce some of these travel expenses? Well, again, if driving a travel or hunting partner can help absorb some of those travel expenses by splitting fuel cost with you. That's pretty easy. But how do we reduce the cost of airline tickets and rental cars? So there's a few ways we can do this. One, we can use credit card points or airline miles to lessen the cost of or completely pay for our flights. And that's what I did for my flight to Guatemala on my fishing trip last month. I used a bunch of points that I'd accumulated over the years and got a $900 flight for zero. And that's basically what those points are for. You know, I hated to use 90,000 points on an airline, on an airplane ticket, but I'll take $0 over $900 all day long in that scenario. Number two, ask for an airline gift card from family members for birthdays and holidays. Many airlines offer them, and yes, you may end up limiting yourself well, you are going to end up limiting yourself to the flights and the costs offered on those flights by that one airline. But free or reduced price flights are better than paid flights. So if that flight with Delta costs you $50 more because that's where your gift cards are from than a flight from Southwest, then oh well. Number three, have you ever been sitting in the airport waiting on 
your connecting flight, when an airline employee comes on the PA system and says, we've overbooked our flight today and we're offering a $100 travel voucher for anyone who will catch the next flight to your destination. Well, take the travel voucher offer from the airlines that they offer when they have overbooked a flight. Of course, if it makes sense and you can do it, that $100 or $200 for a couple hour delay in arriving home can can help to offset the travel portion of a hunting trip. So think about it next time. Number four, shop your days and times of flights. Sometimes moving your trip forward or back a day or two can save you some money on an airline ticket. Number five, in order to save those expensive long-term parking fees by parking at the airport, have your spouse or another family member drop you off at the airport on your way to your hunting destination and to pick you up when you get back home from your hunting destination. That can often save you 100 bucks in parking fees while you're gone. Now for rental cars, there are a few things that we can do to save some money there too. Sharing the cost with a hunting partner of a rental car can help to offset a great deal of those costs of renting if you can do it. Now number two, if your auto insurance policy covers you driving a rental car, and a lot of them do as standard coverage, or you get coverage from a credit card that you have and that you charge that rental on, then decline the additional insurance coverages and upsells that the rental car companies offer when you're renting from them. And now I've not used this site, but I will next time I get ready to rent a car. Try autoslash.com. I have been told that they offer more competitive pricing than the rental companies do themselves. Again, you can use credit card points or rewards points to reduce or pay for the cost of your rental car in full. And last but not least, this is a good one. Your rental car can double as your hotel room. And that's what I did when I went to Wisconsin and Minnesota when I slept in the back of a Ford Flex for three nights and quote unquote camping at a primitive campground. I saved the cost of buying a tent or the weight of packing a tent in my suitcase. I went to Walmart and I bought an air mattress that I inflated every night in the back of the flex and deflated in the morning so that I could move all of the stuff that I had in the back of the flex during the night from the front seat back to the back so that I'd have my space I needed for my gun and for me to drive. So basically for about 400 bucks, I had a four-wheel drive rental and a hotel room for five nights with a very comfortable mattress to boot. And I have to tell you that I actually slept very well in the back of the Ford Flex. And I've been thinking about buying one just to park it in the driveway at the house and sleep in the back of it Monday through Friday. <laughs> Listen, there are a ton of articles and blog posts on how we can save on airfare and car rentals, and so I'm not going to go on any more about those two things. But the bottom line is, drive it if you can drive it, and you should save a great deal of money on travel and feel more comfortable in your own vehicle hauling more of your own gear on these trips. And I want to throw one more thing out there about the travel part of this. If you're traveling in your own vehicle, know the laws 
of the states that you're going to be driving through when it comes to transporting firearms. Many states have different laws concerning how those firearms can be transported, and you do not want to get thrown in jail on your way to Kansas on a budget-friendly turkey hunt. So let's talk lodging for a minute. This is another part of our trips or hunts that can cost us a lot or not. So we may have numerous options here. When I went to North Carolina a few years ago and hunted with my buddies Brad and Mitch up there, Brad was kind enough to put me up at his house while I was there, and he also picked me up at the airport on that trip. So both of those savings were very welcomed by me. If you're traveling to another state to hunt with a friend or someone you're swapping hunts with, then staying at that person's home or hunting camp is as inexpensive as it gets. Camping is another option that we have. We can pay a little money and stay at a more modern campground with bathrooms and power, like Cameron and I did on our first trip to North Carolina two years ago, or we can go primitive for free, like Cameron and I did on our second trip to North Carolina this past season. Either way, you shouldn't spend more than about $20 or $25 per night for a fancy campsite with a concrete pad, electrical hookups, running water, and showers and bathrooms nearby. If we are truly going budget on this hunt, then we are ruling out a motel or hotel. But I have seen some pretty inexpensive roach motels that get even more reasonable if we're splitting the cost of that hotel room with a hunting partner. And Cameron and I this past spring in North Carolina ended up renting a hotel room for one night because the weather forecast called for rain and temps in the low 40s with 20 plus mile per hour winds. And I think we ended up spending about 35 or $40 each that night for the hotel room. And the expense was well worth it. If you're going on a four day, three night trip with a buddy, then you can probably spend $100 to $150 per person if you decide to stay in a motel. Again, most motel chains offer special pricing from time to time, and I have found some good deals on Groupon in the past. In fact, if any of you guys plan to go to Unicoi in North Georgia for the Turkey Call Maker Show in January, there is a really good Groupon for a Helen, Georgia hotel right now. So that's actually what I'm doing. Now, we've covered several different lodging options, but there is one more that we need to discuss that will give you a few more creature comforts than primitive camping. Really, I guess I should say it's more than one more, but they're both kind of in the same category. And that is that we can go on vrbo.com or airbnb.com. What I really like about Airbnb is that you can often find people who are renting single rooms in their homes or garage apartments or even campers parked behind or near their homes for very little money per night. Now, I'm not telling you that there's not a chance that we get attacked by an axe murderer while we're staying there, but there's a good chance that we could save some money doing this and being a little more comfortable doing this than sleeping outside in a sleeping bag in a tent. Just do your research on the owner of that property where you'll be staying. I'm sure there are some pervs and murderers on Airbnb, but they probably have pretty poor reviews on the website. I'm just kind of thinking out loud here. 
I've had really good luck in the past with both VRBO and Airbnb. And I used one of those sites to find our lodging in Oregon and the other site to find our lodging in Georgia. And last but not least on our topics, we have food. I know I really don't need to cover this in depth because we all know that eating out every meal is much more expensive than buying a loaf of bread. Fake cheese, do all of you cheeseheads like how I described that? Lunch meat, mustard and mayo, a few bags of chips, breakfast bars, bottled waters, fruit for your complexion because you can't have your complexion going bad while you're on a turkey hunting trip, and be good to go. We can bring a camp stove, pots, pans, all that stuff, if we have room to be able to haul all of that stuff. But eating quick and eating often is really what we need on a turkey hunt. We don't need to starve ourselves. So having something light that we can take with us, throw in the back of our vest, that we don't have to worry about, okay, it's sitting out in the 80 degree sunshine and going bad but we can still get to and give us that little extra energy boost to go that extra mile that we need to go up that mountain to get after the turkey that's gobbling his head off up there. We really can get by with about 30 to $40 in groceries and ice for three to five days very easily if we're truly going on a budget. When I went to Wisconsin and Minnesota, I bought a couple of bags of salad, salad dressing, two rotisserie chickens, Walmart pre-cooked barbecue, pre-cooked pork chops, and pre-cooked hamburger patties. I bought lunch meat, mustard, mayo, bread, breakfast bars, bottled waters, and cold beers for very little money. And I ate very well while I was on that trip. I did not have a warm meal while I was camping in Minnesota. But that didn't bother me for three nights. That was not a big deal. So if cold meals don't bother you, you can do something like I did in Minnesota and Wisconsin and save money and be good to go. Now, one other thing about these budget-friendly trips that I really feel like is extremely important. Going camping one weekend out of the year at a primitive campground is one thing. But driving from Alabama to Colorado to camp out in the mountains chasing Merriam's turkeys for six days and five nights is completely different. So what I would recommend you do is before you go on a big out-of-state trip, let's say you are driving 10, 12, 20 hours to get to Colorado or New Mexico for a public land hunt out there, and you're going to be camping while you're there, I recommend taking a short little weekend trip to a neighboring state or even hunting within your own state and camp and hunt on that trip. You'll get a much better feel of what you're missing, what you need, and what you have to have on that trip to be comfortable. And of course, we all know in the spring across the country, it doesn't matter which state you are in, the weather can change in a heartbeat. And weather forecasts, as good as the technology has gotten for those men and women in that field, they're still pretty up in the air. So we need to be prepared for any kind of weather that may come to that part of the country that we are going on our trip to. So by taking an, a short little out-of-state trip, we'll have a lot better idea of what we're missing, what we need in order to be able to be more successful and more comfortable on that cross-country camping hunting trip that we're going to be on. And don't forget too that if you're in the middle of nowhere in Colorado, it's a long way to get to a Walmart 
when you realize that your sleeping bag is covered in mold because of that water leak in your basement this summer. I hope you enjoyed that replay. Get started with your planning. Now is the time. Whether you're just extending your season, trying for a single season slam, trying to complete your grand slam, or trying for a super slam like me, now is the time to get started with making it happen. All right, that's all I have for you guys this week. My favor of the week this week is all you guys just be safe with whatever you're doing, whether you're hunting or fishing or yard work, whatever it happens to be. Be safe out there. Oh, and don't forget to listen in next week for at least one awesome hunt for my trip to Yankee land. Thank you guys so much for tuning in this week. I know that you have choices. I appreciate you spending your time with us. I hope you have a wonderful week, and I look forward to seeing you again next week. Goodbye. Thanks for tuning in. You were just listening to the Turkey Hunter podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please go on over to iTunes and leave a five-star review. And make sure to head over to www.iamturkeyhunting.com to subscribe for free turkey hunting tips, tactics, strategies, and product reviews to help you have a more successful turkey season. And stay tuned for upcoming episodes on hunting afternoon birds, how to film your hunt, and the breeding cycle of hens, as well as some guest interviews. Thanks again for listening. We know your time is valuable, and we appreciate you sharing some of it with us. See you next week.